0: Good Morning and welcome to Lorna's laughing already because she just said something ridiculous in French, which will all become clear in a minute. Um, anyway, <laughs> Lorna Leeson, I've had a week away and you're misbehaving, um mm-hmm. so come back, come back in the room, Leeson, <laughs> and I will and I will begin by announcing that in case no one knew, this is start the week with Lorna and Lottie, the place where we talk culture change communications and coaching episode 14 which I've decided we're calling from Chamonix with love and why am I calling it that Lorna Leeson and have you missed me and my pink jumpers?
1: So many blinking questions (laughs) Um, first of all I don't know why you well I kind of know why you're calling it from Chamonix with love makes us sound a little bit like a Bond film and I'm I'm into that that's
0: well I kind of almost looked like Bond when I was away almost (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh you looked like I'm really bad with my Bond films was there ever a Bond girl who was on skis was there oh any, ever I should that? think
0: so were they wearing leopard print ski wear though as I was I don't
1: think they were what if they weren't then they need to they need to sort that too sweet need, they to need watch. to they need They're to sweet. up their
0: games anyway yeah I've been away
1: for the week in Chamonix darling skiing well yes prompting me to say to the one listener who WhatsApp me last week saying where um where is episode 14 i had to type the words lottie is in chamonix this week which was about the most middle class thing that this girl from actually coventry not stoke and trent but you know the midlands has ever typed in her life so you're back here in one piece i'm delighted i feel like i'd lost a limb and um, here you are. Yeah, luckily, luck, and luckily, I didn't
0: lose any limbs no, in the course of my of my learning to ski. Yeah, I mean, God, last week it was uh, totally pushing myself out out of my comfort zone. So basically, I was skiing with a whole party of essentially black run skiers. I had never put a pair <laughs> of skis on these size four feet in my entire
1: life. I once. No, I've been skiing twice in my whole entire life. And the last time I got stretched off the mountain, like strapped to a, a, an actual stretcher and zipped off the mountain embarrassingly. Um, So I'm proud of you for learning that new skill, Yeah. pushing through all of that uncomfortable bit of change. I remember you messaging me earlier in the week being like, it's cold. We were like, well, I'm cold and hot at the same time. Why do people do this? It's ridiculous. Yeah, and,
0: yeah, no, exactly. exactly. And, and, and it's, it's, And it's funny because we've we've been chatting and reflecting on the kind of journey that I went through last week because it was something that was very, very, very new to me. I mean, learning, learning a new skill like skiing at our age in our 40s, I think is, you know, something that probably not many people actually do. And um, yeah, I mean, I was very lucky to have a rather dashing dutch dude um who unfortunately for him got the short straw and was (laughs) the one who was teaching me to ski i mean he was someone that i really trusted in the first place so that that really helped um and he'd been skiing all his life so i guess he was he was best placed to to help me and um His approach is really pertinent to what we want to talk about today, which we'll get on to in a minute. But I'll I'll just kind of set the scene for his approach to how he was teaching me to ski, because actually there's loads of lessons in this that we're going to take into what we're going to talk about later, which is going to be around coaching, essentially, which is something very close (laughs) to your heart.
1: It is something very close to my heart and something that I spend a lot of time thinking about because you know me, Lottie, I spend a lot of time thinking, pondering stuff. So, yes, thank you for joining me on this exploration of coaching. But first, tell me about why your Dutchman is um, what I think is a brilliant natural coach. Talk to yeah. me about what you did. Yeah.
0: And, you know, what? at the time I was more thinking, actually please give me a little bit more help and assistance his his approach was kind of one i think of a blend of tough love mm. but with lots of encouragement so mm. i fell over quite a lot to start with and <laughs> i was lying there like a kind of leopard leopard beached whale combination okay. that must must have looked ridiculous and uh fell over and i said can you help me up and he went no you have to get up yourself and i went no, 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 can't you just help me up? And he went, no, he said, what you need to do is you need to turn your skis at a ninety degree angle and then you need to push in with your left leg and you need to get yourself up and I was thinking, this is ridiculous, can't he just help me up, and then we can all move on and I can get skiing again mm-hmm. um and i dug I dug deep and I got up, right, and I got up, and um kind of yeah on 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 reflection. What he was actually doing is is making sure that I was going to be safe. If I was skiing Mm -hmm. on my own and I fell over, I needed to know how to get up. And Mm -hmm. what he was doing was equipping me with the skills, empowering me to be Mm -hmm. able to do this by myself. Sure, it would have been quicker if he just hauled me up. But actually, in the Mm -hmm. long run, he needed to give me the the skills and empower Mm -hmm. me to be able to ski safely, essentially, um, and so you think having me told you this story, you think actually what he was doing was completely right. And actually he was being a really good coach.
1: I think he's a coaching legend already. And um, he can quote me on that. You know, it, actually, as you were telling that story, this is where my brain goes. I was thinking, do you remember um, Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi? Right. Yeah. And Mr. Miyagi would make the white pon Wipe on, wipe off what some works off make him go and do all of these like go and wash my car and Daniel's like what why am I doing this and then he saved his life yeah um and that he was your Mr Miyagi and Mr Miyagi is a there are very few in my opinion um really great examples of true coaches in um fiction and literature and the media and real life but um your Dutchman Mr Miyagi and Ted Lasso who I'm going to come on to in a minute because we love him for me are are great coaches.
0: Yeah. And he also gave me all the encouragement and praise. So when I was doing good, he was telling me that I was doing good. So then he instilled this confidence in me. And honestly, by the end, Lorna, I was going up at the chairlift all by myself and I was skiing down all by myself. And weirdly, when I was on my own, I didn't fall over. And I, I think I didn't fall over because I'd had the confidence inspired in me. I'd been taught the skills that I needed and I was flying.
1: So let's just dig into that for a minute, shall we? Because I think that's a really good example of why um, this mysterious Dutchman is an excellent coach. And it's because um, he gave you all of the skills. So first of all, he totally believes that you could get up, that you could ski. Yeah, he absolutely knew that this was something you had in you. And one thing that I spent a lot of time um, reflecting on when I learned to be a coach a good few years ago, and all coaches who train to be coaches under an accredited system do this reflection is you have to know what your beliefs are as a coach one of my beliefs are that my client the coachee is creative resourceful and whole in other words they've got everything they need within them to solve the problems to do the things they want to do and your dutch friend absolutely believes that you had it in you because he did that, you could do it yourself because you could do it yourself. You knew that when you were by yourself, you were absolutely able to do it. And so therefore you were better because of it. Whereas if he just stuck his arm out and pulled and you forward, me up, which is what I wanted him to do, it obviously. It's what you wanted. It's what a yeah. kind person would probably have done. It's yeah. what somebody who cared about you might have done. But he went a step beyond caring, which is you no know, for you to be safe and for you to love this experience and for you to get better and better. This is something you got to do by yourself, kid. And you did. And all of the, the spam that I got on WhatsApp of the videos of you up and down ski lifts, is testament to that. And I thank him profusely from my heart. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> he's
0: a he's, great coach. He's a great coach. And, and actually, when you think about sports coaches and we were we t- talking about this earlier, um, we've obviously got the Ted Lasso example that we'll come on to talk about at the minute. But again, kind of a bit more personal experience, you know, a lot. A lot of coaches in sport are actually really terrible coaches. Yes, they're knobs. Mm. Yeah, I know. I mean, I play a lot of tennis, as you know, and quite often I'm playing against younger women who are being coached, so they're coaches on the sideline. And the environment that that coach creates with that young tennis player is one of, um, what's, I don't explain it, they feel uh, it's intense pressure. hmm the, the, yeah. the girls often, when they muck up a shot, look up at the coach, and the coach gives them this disparaging look, this kind of frustrated look, and you can see the tension between yeah. the coach and the coachee, and it's a really
1: uncomfortable space to be in. And I, I just always think, surely that's not how you coach. Well, it's not how you coach if you're a, an executive coach, an accredited coach, and it shouldn't be how you coach if you're a sports coach. But the thing is, and one of the differences between an accredited coach, and a they're accredited. Don't get me wrong; they're just it's in a different way. Is what he, what they're failing to realise is that they're working with the, their coaches' emotions, with their brains, with their um, emotional chemistry, as well as as well as their physiology. And those things are so intrinsically linked that if you're coaching a physical sport, you actually need to be coaching the emotional person. Yeah, no. Lots of brilliant sports psychologists get this. Professional, brilliant, top tier sports coaches do now understand this. They get this. You talk about Gareth Southgate a lot. He gets it.
0: Yeah. And there's such a lack of ego. I think that's one of the really important things. I feel like a lot of these sports coaches bring a lot lot of 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 their ego to play. And I think, you know, to be a good coach, it's not about the coach telling the coachee everything that they know to impress the coachee. It's about being able to leave their ego aside. And Gareth Southgate did that brilliantly
1: beautifully it's funny because I, I was listening to a, another podcast are there any other podcasts really no way no. there is only one podcast I've, I've listened to them all folks and this is the only one you need to listen to I've <laughs> um, done the research
0: so you don't yeah, have
1: to I've done the research anyway there's there's what is the rest is entertainment and um, they were saying that actually this the football coaches are now kind of a main character in watching football people watch the coach and their reactions and that shouldn't be really, that shouldn't be the case you know the whole point of being a coach is that your ego and your own stuff is left at the door it's why we do something called supervision um because going to supervision as a coach helps you make sure that you're not taking your own ego your own stuff your own reactions your own beliefs and values into that room and it's one of the reasons I absolutely love coaching because you know that I've got a really busy mind and I overthink but when I'm coaching because I have to all of my focus is completely 100% on the person that I'm working with. It's not about me. It's not about what's going on outside the room. It's not about what I think, what I want to do, what I need to prove, whether I'm good enough. It's just about that other person. Gareth Southgate's an excellent example of that. Um, yeah, and
0: obviously, and, and Ted Lasso too. I mean, you and I are both massive fans of Ted Lasso. <laughs> and if you haven't watched it, listeners, um, you've got to, because he, for me, is the absolute masterclass in the best coach that could apart from lorna leeson of course who is the best coach the second best coach ted lasso is the second, second best, best coach best fictional um, coach it's certain so, it's so interesting isn't it because when he turns up you know he's not he's not the expert in no british football and no. he doesn't pretend to be and he doesn't need to be does he
1: no he does not so this is one of the things that i think um people who are looking for a coach who haven't yet for lots of good reasons really kind of explored what a coach might be and how that differs from other ways of being supported in in your career or your life and people think that you need to have expertise in their thing and the other belief that I hold as a coach is that the person closest to the problem is best placed to come up with the solution so you on the ground with your body on your skis on that particular bit of snow were best placed to figure out how you were going to get up somebody else could give you some guidance and feedback but you were the one who had to do it so ted lasso did not need to be a premiership football coach or a champions league football coach he what he needed to do was understand people and know how to get the best out of them yeah and he he what he does is he he focuses on the team's beliefs about themselves and each other he gives them the courage to do things differently to try to experiment to learn and fail and makes it safe to do that He has supervision. So he's actually got a therapist that he goes to see like he does his own work in the background. He's fallible and he's imperfect, but he does his own work in the background and he celebrates their success. He champions their differences. He's such a great example of a coach and the people that he coaches, whether they act like absolute knobs or not. They know that he is there for them. So if you look at the way that, for example, Jamie Tart, who's a character in the TV show, apologies if you've not watched it, but also why have you not watched it? Um, the way Jamie Tart behaves throughout the series, and the way Nathan behaves, um, Ted is always there for them, always on their side. Yeah,
0: yeah, completely and and,
1: and safe with him.
0: Yeah, and he tolerate and he tolerates the distress of others. And I think Ooh. this is really, I, and again, it's kind of parallels to Gareth Southgate gareth southgate was able to um <clears throat> allow space to tolerate the distress of others you know c- truly compassionate and ted lasso does exactly the same as well you know he yeah. and not only that he allows people to when, when when they get angry with him he doesn't take any of it personally
1: no no and you can't you can't um I, i've never had a coach he get angry with me i've had them get frustrated like Ridiculous. the equivalent of why will you not help me up off the floor? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but being able to know. So one of the kind of uh, another real life OG coach that I absolutely um, really love her philosophy is somebody called Nancy Klein, who we've talked about in a previous podcast. Yeah. I spent some time um studying when I trained to be a coach and then I did some extra study with somebody who trained with her, a lady called Meg Pepin, who's excellent and Nancy Klein has one of her core beliefs as a coach is that the emotions need to be in the room. The emotions are a good thing, You've, either because you need to express them to learn something about yourself or to, to, to move through the situation. But they're part of the reality of what's going on for you as part of trying to solve the problem or get to where you want to yeah, be. Yeah, and the emotion. You can't. You can't solve the problem.
0: Yeah. And a really, really important part then of being a, an executive coach is we've talked often about the fact that the corporate armor often um, stops people from being able to actually display emotion, to talk emotionally, to talk about what matters to them, talk about things that go way beneath the surface of spreadsheets and turnover. And I guess yeah. that's a really, really, really important benefit of actually working with a coach. Is it gives you that safe space to be able to explore your emotions in a way that you would not be able to do in the boardroom,
1: yeah. So, a hundred percent. And what I would say is that this is actually a really good point to say that I've worked with some coaches not for very long who weren't willing to take that corporate armor off for whatever reason they come yeah. to coaching because. Maybe they thought it'd be a good thing like everyone. someone working. or someone's told them to everyone's do it told them to do it, yeah. you know maybe it's nice to say you've got a coach, I don't know, but they didn't want to do um what we hear called a lot of the work these days, yeah. but they weren't willing to take that corporate armor off or any armor off to be vulnerable and then to have the real conversation about what they really do and what's really going on and what's really going to move them to the next level and I think if you are thinking about going into Um, A coaching engagement, hiring a coach, working with a coach—you have to, you have to know that for it to really work, you've got to be willing to take that armor off, and that's quite. um, Every time I work with somebody who does that, I'm blown away at their courage, at their trust in me, at then for the leaps and bounds that they can make. Um, Once it's there's a magic that happens once that corporate armor comes off, and you're willing to really you know think very deeply and be very vulnerable about who you are as a person and a leader and what that means you bring to work and the people that you lead and the situations that you're yeah. responsible for and you can... if you won't do it sorry well, you no, won't no no, no, it, yeah. point.
0: No, no no exactly the kind of and use the word trust you know yeah. I, I presume that in order to have a really successful coaching relationship then that that trust going to be there how do you go about creating that um that foundation of trust with someone that, that you know, you, you don't know really until you start to coach them?
1: So for me, it's about living the core beliefs that I hold as a coach. So if at any moment the person that I'm working with doesn't believe that I completely believe in them, to use that Ted Lasso phrase, if any moment that person that I'm working with thinks I'm judging them, I don't think they can do it. Um, I think they're being uh, an idiot if they feel judgment from me at any point the trust will crumble so they i and i'm not a particularly judgmental per person apart from when i'm looking at people on the internet um but that says so no judgment i think they also need to know that i believe that they've got the problem the problem that the answer to the problem right mm-hmm. i believe that they are creative resourceful and whole so they will hear from me very early on that I believe those things they might not hear it in that kind of a, a way I think sometimes these terms of phrase can be a bit sound a bit a bit wanky but they have to know that I believe in them they have to know that I won't judge them they have to know and we have a, a, a formal contract beforehand which kind of lays out also what you're going to expect from me you know how many how often we're going to meet what do I need you to do before before we meet what will I do what will you do what will anybody else who's involved in this contract do What's it going to cost? What happens if you don't show up? What happens if I don't? Like all the practical stuff's taken care of so that that can be out of the room. So when we get into the room, we can just work on what I've just talked about. And then this is really the Nancy Klein piece coming through. I work really, really hard to let them do the thinking, let them do the thinking, let them do the talking and. That means that probably I talk a lot less than they may expect in a coaching session, um, and those few things, coupled with being able to give and receive feedback all the way through, they work for me. They're not the only things, but they're the key things. Did I answer your question?
0: Yeah, I think so. In a roundabout, I can't <laughs> remember what it was now. What do I do? My, I brain, my brain's time. in the Chamonix slopes, darling.
1: What do no, I are oh, full of powder? I know. Well, yeah, that sounds dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> Only to your mind. Mine is pure as the driven snow. So snow so
0: there, there's a lot of people. I mean, you know, you can see on LinkedIn that everyone seems to be a coach these days. Why is oh, you know, I mean, i'm but surely, surely it does take a special set of skills in order to be a coach. And you know, what <laughs> what 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 is it about? coaching that you think I think that people find so um so intriguing as a as a potential career option
1: yeah I am Lorna Leeson and not Liam Neeson but I have got a very specific set of skills um so yeah just just because I've conscious of time just just run run me through
0: maybe kind of the five key skills that a really great coach needs to have and if you're thinking about entering a kind of coaching relationship what you should be looking for in a really yeah. cracking coach
1: yeah so the first thing is not a skill but it's actually um some kind of formal accreditation and training from somebody mm-hmm. like the um, association for coaching or the international coaching federation if you're working at a professional level um personally if somebody calls themselves a life coach or a confidence coach or a i, I get a little bit like it makes me cringe a little bit and that's my that's maybe my stuff but I think somebody who is formerly an accredited executive coach from one of those bodies sure um so you will have a, a you'll meet with them first and it'll be a chemistry meeting and what I think you're probably looking for is somebody that you feel safe with but you think is going to challenge you you're not looking for someone who's just going to reinforce your beliefs it's going to be a really good friend metaphorically you're looking for the person who's going to let you lie on the snow and be a bit cold wet and uncomfortable, embarrassed and teach you that skill rather than the person who's going to make you feel safe and pick you up and give you a hug every time yeah um that's a hard decision to make you're looking for someone who can really listen and then listen in a way that they can reflect back what you're saying in a way that maybe you haven't heard it before but is non-judgmental is um is safe and almost they're bringing insight to the room, but they're not doing it. They're not shoving it down you. It kind of feels like you're you're doing it. Um, it might feel like you're doing most of the talking. In fact, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And you have to feel a word that is overused these days, and I think some people have a reaction to. But you have to feel safe with them, and by that I mean psychologically safe. Like I trust this person to do right by me. Which back to your, and it's Dutch- all, it's
0: all it's all the things that I felt when I was out on the slopes
1: all of those
0: so yeah yeah and it's what and it's why I've come away from that experience feeling so positive feeling so confident desperate Mm. to get back out there and (laughs) with this massive sense of accomplishment that I mastered a new skill I went on you know a journey Mm. and I've come out the other side like way better than than when I started Mm.
1: and that is coaching in a nutshell Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I've really
0: enjoyed this episode. It's been lovely to reminisce and reflect on my adventures last week. So thank you for indulging me.
1: I did not indulge you I think you might have indulged me did we indulge each other and isn't that the secret of our brilliant partnership
0: isn't it just <laughs> we're we're full of indulgences in in every single sense of the word um thank you so much for sharing um your brilliant insights into coaching and um I learn something from you
1: every single day oh you absolute gorgeous gorgeous woman it's so lovely to have you back I've missed yes. you I know I've um, missed you too and let's do let's do something next week. Let's actually get back on and do another start of the week at the beginning of the week. Let's do an episode 15 after episode 14. I don't <laughs> know what's on yet. Do you? No, I don't know what's on yet either. <laughs> but but yeah, in the next ap- days.
0: Apologies to all the listeners for last week's. Um, you know what? Absence makes <laughs> the heart grow fonder. Is um, is is what I think about that.
1: Indeed, go well. Um, yeah. go and book your next ski trip. And flourish. I actually am. <laughs> I well, I might come with you. You've given me the um. You've given me a little bit of interest in in going out there myself. Like, yeah. Oh, the, the, the 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 trick is just
0: to I say just to borrow um just to borrow some really amazing ski wear. So even though you might ski like shit, you look great.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I would never knowingly be underdressed. So that would obviously happen. Exactly. Um, yeah. So great. <laughs> right there. All this right. time next year you me Chamonix. Let's go. Let's
0: go baby. From Chamonix with love. Au revoir. Chaty.